Welcome to the Quilter Circle Podcast. From piecing to quilting and everything in between, this podcast brings you tips and techniques from the experts and fun stories from quilters just like you. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Quilter Circle Podcast. I'm Ashley Huff, and today we have our special guest, Rebecca Palmer of Rebecca Palmer Originals. So thanks for being here, Rebecca. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your shop and where you are. I am a quilter and general sewer in the Republic of Ireland in their place called Limerick. Tell us a little bit about um, what that area is like if we've never been to Ireland and never experienced maybe a smaller area. Um, you might be, you obviously have an expectation of greenery in Ireland and that's definitely true. We're in a very rural location. It's beautiful and green, lots of cattle in the fields, lots of mountains and our actual sewing business is in a small village, a very rural village, not, not at all on the tourist track or anything. So it's a small, mm-hmm. a small friendly community. You, you can find anything going on in the shop. You know, we, we have classes nearly every single day, um, it, children and adults. And they'll be, you might be making a court for a commission or there could be a farmer coming in to have his trousers turned up or, or you know, it could be anything happening. And often I think some of the older people come in just for chat sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a lot even here, um, socializing in in quilt shops and sewing shops and, the, and in guilds and things like that. So it's a great way to, to meet people as well. But so how long have you been sewing and quilting and who taught you? I've actually been sewing since I was three years old, which, oh, wow. um, yeah, which is hard to believe. But I, I do vividly remember my grandmother teaching me to do embroidery. Um, mm-hmm. I remember embroidering a little black cat with satin stitch with a little pink tongue. Oh, wow. That is so cool that you remember your exact first one. It was on the corner of a handkerchief. I, I had the handkerchief for many years. I'm afraid it's, it's gone now. But um, she, was, she really introduced me to sewing. And it became very apparent from that very first satin stitch that I was obsessed with sewing. Um, my, my, my mother taught me to do hemming. And my mother used to make clothes for me in the way that post-war uh, British and American women did in those days. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was born in 1969, but even even in the 70s, it was still um, a thing that a lot of women did making clothes for children. But I would stand, I would stand by the machine watching longingly. You know, my my primary function was to thread the needle. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a hard task even now for a lot of adults. So I feel like. I mean, way to go for doing that when you're very, very young. Well, if you remember, the old the old sort of quilters in the pioneer times would get the children to thread the needles. So I think people forget children have really good eyesight. So. That's true. That is true. My mother knew how to capitalize on that. Yes, that's true. Well, so that was one thing I definitely want to talk to you about because you do teach a lot. Um, and you mentioned you teach pretty much every day. But I mean, how? what is the scale of the number of people that you are teaching every day? I, classes can be um, anything from sort of five or six up to sort of 10 or 12. Um, my most my most busy days are on Mondays, Wednesdays and Thursdays. I actually teach children's classes. So I have um, 12 children in each session, sometimes more. Um, <laughs> theoretically, I have 12 children in each session. Um, right. And that's, that's just very rewarding. Well, so what is the age group of these children and sort of the age span? Well, I start classes at age eight. Okay. And then anything up to teenagers. I have to say here in Ireland, they sort of peel off into senior school at 13. And that's when I, I do run a senior school girl class. Well, girls okay. or boys. Yeah. Um, and they, because that's more of a youth club with a bit of sewing thrown in, you know. Right. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, well, so, I mean, I have, 
I have a two and a half, almost three-year-old. And so I'm just thinking the only thing I can get him to do so far is push the button on my machine to automatically wind my bobbin. So I can't even imagine Mm -hmm. hand stitching or anything yet. So sort of if somebody has children of their own that they maybe want to start getting into sewing or quilting or you know, they, they want to just teach at a church group or something like what is sort of your, your tips for, from, from very, from nothing, but teaching, you know, a a child how to sew and quilt. Well, to be honest, I start children, I I have like a program with my classes. So I have a a sort of a membership card, if you like, and it's, um, Mm -hmm. it's got a a schedule of of projects. And I, I kind of sat down and thought about the skills you needed to acquire to do sewing and quilting and dressmaking and any sort of sewing, really. And so I, I broke it all down into into different things. So, for for example, the first thing the children do is a needle book, of, which is even weave stitching on a, on a fabric called binka, which I think you would call it, um, it'd be a sort of an Ada even weave fabric, but it's it's huge. It's got huge holes and huge threads and it's... Oh, yeah. Okay. You know the one I mean. It's... Um, I'm not... I'm, it was called... Uh, like burlap? Like burlap. No, no. It's, it's okay. more like a proper sort of cross-stitch proper linen oh, we've linen, oh, yeah, yeah. but it's okay. got huge holes <laughs> and okay, um, so we start with a full sort of a, a full strand you know full six strands of embroidery floss and we, mm-hmm. we just sort of we start with just running stitch in and out perfect in out in out that's that's how we start and they they can then you see because I have the membership card they work through at their own time in their own pace so one eight-year-old um will perhaps complete the card in three months Mm-hmm. Uh, which is phenomenal. Okay. Um, most of them, it takes at least a year, possibly two. And you're doing just just a running stitch or sort of what is, uh, is there a progression of, okay, once you get the running stitch, then you're going to move on to this yeah. next one and this next one. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, we fill in, we fill in, we have a piece of this binker that mm-hmm. is the size of our needlebook and we start with a running stitch and then we create little boxes and then we do crosses and then we do zigzag and then a sort of a, a Greek key type design and we just work on it and, and they're learning the basics, sort of threading the needle, tying a knot, um, you know, going in and out without going around the outside, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and through the through the projects, you see the first project, um, the first two or three projects are not quilt related. But then we get on to what I call my nine patch hot pad, which is basically making a nine patch with four and a half inch squares. Mm-hmm. And that's the first time the children enter the seconds, basically. Gotcha. And that's all done by hand, right? So no, when no. or do you introduce a machine? I introduced machine actually the third project on the card. So they could be with me anything from anything from maybe sort of a month, six weeks up to six months, depending on the child. But um, it can be anything. It can be just a few weeks and they're on the machine. Oh, wow. Okay. And yeah, I, I find, I think the, the worst thing that people, adults do, parents do, I should say, speaking mm-hmm. as one well myself, yeah. is expect an element of perfection. Um, I I do give the children a lot of leeway, especially in the early weeks and the early projects. Uh-huh. And I think adults, I, I see the parents sort of saying, oh, that's not very straight, is it? Or, oh, well, that doesn't lie. Oh. I think, ah, just leave them, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think that, I mean, I could definitely see myself doing that as well. But then also... Um, being nervous about them around a machine because I'm, you can ask my husband, probably overly protective. So how do you get past maybe that if you have a parent who's sort of afraid of their child being around this, you know, big piece of machinery? It's funny you should say that, actually. I had a child yesterday who said they weren't allowed to bring scissors because their mum said they were dangerous. I was kind of laughing, thinking, you're sending this child to a sewing class, you know, they're going to 
they're gonna have to use them sometime yeah Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, I'm a very old fashioned kind of person. My mother always says, you know, well, you do it once, you won't do it twice. You know, <laughs> my husband says the same thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I give the children the very, you know, we have a lot of health and safety rules, which are very strict. There's no running, you know, there's no not wearing shoes. There's no, um, any, any messing around. Anybody pushes somebody while they're on a machine or, you know, I mean, the very big, much bigger children do use a rotary cutter. And again, mm-hmm. everybody is lectured from the very smallest to the biggest of all these different things. There's irons on in the shop. There's cables, no cables dangling, obviously, but still, right? You, you know, and the, and it's very much. It's, I'm I'm constantly sort of have this litany of of things that I say. So, and I do hear the children telling each other, "Oh, don't forget, you can't leave the iron laying down," and you know, right, right. Mm-hmm. So, so I think I think good old fashioned common sense, yeah. but. Um, my father taught me to – they bought me my first um, real sewing machine when I was nine. Mm-hmm. And my father sat me down on Christmas Day after I'd opened this machine and made me read the instruction book from cover to cover. Really? Good. That's good. Um, well, I came downstairs with a pile of fabric and thread ready to make something, and he was like, hold your horses, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, because his mother had been a great sewer, and he was a blacksmith and an engineer, so he was very – clued up about how machines worked and he showed me how he showed me how to wind a bobbin and change a needle and oil the machine and clean it um all of this before I was actually allowed to sew with it you know yeah well that's good and I think that's kind of a step that I mean I know I have the instruction manuals for all of my machines but I don't know that I've read them all I've looked Mm. up if I've had a specific problem but I haven't necessarily read it all so just knowing all of the information that you know now before even starting but then also the basic sort of care of your machine. Cause I think that's something a lot of people maybe overlook sometimes is the cleaning and the maintenance part mm. of the machine. He actually said to me that on that fateful Christmas day afternoon, he said, um, you will run over your finger one day, but it will be your own fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you ran over your finger? I have. And do you know how old I was the first time I ran over my finger? How old? I was 19. Well, so it's been a while, so you're doing good. Probably the first time. <laughs> okay. No, I did it again. Um, I did it again dramatically, probably in my mid-30s. And, and that's only twice in, in 50, 40, 41 years of owning an electronic, an electric sewing machine have I mm-hmm. run my finger over. Okay, well, so you're doing pretty good. I've kind of winged myself a few times. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've been lucky. I haven't had any sewing machine injuries, more of like sticking yourself with pins or little, you know, nicks of the rotary blade, those kind of things. But well, so that's what teaching um, children, but you also teach adults as well, correct? Yes. Yes. And it's basically the same rules apply. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where do you, where do adults start versus where the kids start? Or is it very similar? The children can, uh, adults can be very varied because um, some adults come, well, you see, because I don't only quilt in my shop, I, mm-hmm. I it, it can be sewn and I do it. So um, some people come very much wanting to learn how to maintain and alter and repair clothing. Others want to do soft furnishings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always, I, I actually joke with people that sewing is what I do for a living and quilting is my hobby. <laughs> Perfect. I, li- I like it. It's not actually true, but it kind of is funny because people come into the shop wanting to learn to sew. They come in and they say, well, I don't want to make quilts. And within six weeks, they're making a quilt. <laughs> it's addicting. You can't, yeah. you can't not yeah. when you see yeah. them. But I think as well, because I love making quilts for fun, 
you know, I, I, mm-hmm. no, nobody in their right mind could say that turning up trousers was fun, you know, but right, that's I mean, true. I think I think the fact that the fun element comes out, people see that I'm really enjoying the fun, you know, and they, and then they're, oh, well, actually, I'd like to try that. So I think I kind of that's why everybody ends up quilting. Mm-hmm. I like it. Well, it's good, and I mean, it's it's a testament to how well you're showing how to do something. If people leave wanting to do it, if they leave and they never want to come back again, well then, you know, take that as what it is, but that's good that people are wanting to, to sew and to quilt and do all that. Well, so between um, children and adults, who is easier to teach? Who's more open to your instruction? Okay. Who's likely to listen to this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) um do you know what I think one of the things that I because I am actually I have an only child and I'm not the world's greatest child I wasn't the world's greatest child fan right Mm -hmm. Um, but since I've been teaching classes I've realized that children are actually quite fantastic they're great fun Mm -hmm. um now that said one thing I have realized is that they are basically just human beings Mm -hmm. And with the children and the adults, some of them we really like and some of them we can't stand. <laughs> you, you'll have that in your every day-to-day everywhere. Yeah, and I don't think there's any real difference. You know, there is – within all the groups, there are there's certain types of character. There's the needy little bird, you know, that wants all your mm-hmm. attention. There's, mm-hmm. you know, there's the person who's, I can't do this, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. And, and whether they're adults or children, they're actually exactly the same. So really, it's it's more a case of not liking a certain type of person rather than right. whether they're big or small. That's true. That's true. That's a good way to think of it, too. Well, so obviously, all this is done at your shop. Um, so aside from teaching, what else, what is your shop like? Is there, do you sell fabric? Do you sell kits? What what else is there? I, I, I sell kits and I sell fabric. I don't have a huge selection. It's quite, it's a very small shop to, to service the small community really. And my own students more than anything. Um, I only sell kits and things that are made are only, they're all my own original designs. I do, I do love to sort of put together original things. So mm-hmm. that's something. And, and when I teach classes and teach projects with my students, they are always original things that I've come up with myself. So, um, so yeah, I sell the kits and things in the shop. Um, as I say, I do a lot of alterations and things in there as well. I have a lot of haberdashery. So, you know, I could have a little old lady coming in for a bit of elastic or. Right, right. Um, but that's good to be able to have a little of everything. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very rare. I also, actually, speaking of a little of everything, I also sell um, jams and preserves and things that I make on our, from our small holding that we have. So. Oh, that's what we were just talking about that you were, that you were on a couple acres and that that's what you you do with that. So that is awesome. And it's perfect that I feel like if you are somebody who is, I'll call it crafty mm-hmm. with sewing and quilting, it's more likely that you are um, sort of crafty and make things in other ways too. So mm, yeah. very cool. I like that. Um, speaking of fabric and stuff that you sell in your shop, because I actually, so I uh, got to take a class from you when I was in Ireland, mm-hmm. which is a lot of fun. We'll have to talk about blanket stitches here in a little bit, but um <laughs> Where do you guys source most of your fabric or where do you get a lot of your fabric? Because I think this is something you talked about when we were actually at our class is that uh, you were trying to show us stuff that we wouldn't necessarily have seen, say, at our local Joann's or something. Mm. We we source our fabric from the UK and we only source, well, I try, I mean, I'm, I try to only source fabric that's that's either made or designed, well, designed in the UK that gets imported 
obviously it all mm-hmm. comes from the same places. But I, I worried a lot of the big name houses will ship to up to England and then fly to Ireland. Mm-hmm. But it's coming from somewhere in the Far East to America and then from America to England and then from England to Ireland. And I don't really like the weight of that sort of the air miles and things like on my shoulder there. So I tend to buy from um, Macowers, yeah. which is a, a British company. Now they do deal with Andover Fabrics, which I believe are an American company. Mm-hmm. And but I don't tend to buy those. I tend to buy the Macower ranges, which are produced, you know, designed in the UK and then shipped from the mm-hmm. to England and then from there to here. And I buy from Fabric Freedom as well, which I think their stuff mostly comes from India. So do you, so I know you've you've uh, had experience though with fabric that comes from America. Do you notice a big difference between the manufacturing of of one to the next? Um, not particularly. The, the fabric freedom stuff is is a sort of a, a more of a budget product, so it'd be more like a Joann's type. Sometimes, not always. Some of it's not mm-hmm. like that. Um, mm-hmm. But the McCowers is equally as good as any fabric that I would have bought in America for you know ever. Right. Perfect. That's good. Um, so speaking of, uh, since I mentioned blanket stitches, so uh, just a little fun story between you and I, we were at a class and uh, we found out that, or I guess I found out that um, I do something completely, absolutely, I think we said upside down and backwards from the way that you do this, which is a blanket stitch. Um, and so just sort of knowing that we had that interaction, are there times where when you're teaching somebody it's just they're not getting it the way that you're showing it and you have to completely sort of change a method or a, a way of explaining something? I actually never thought I would go, would be a teacher. Um, my, when I was at school doing sewing, my sewing teacher was, oh, you must teach, you must teach. And I said, no, not a chance, never going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the reasons that I'm successful as a teacher is because having 40-something years of experience of sewing, I have lots of different ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. So... I'm able, uh, I suppose a lot of people who perhaps haven't been sewing as long as me who do start up teaching classes, they know the way they know. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I am able to say, well, look, actually, you can do it this way or you can. I mean, I know certainly the workshop you did with me. Mm-hmm. I have about three different ways of teaching blanket stitch, yeah. none of which are your way. I know, <laughs> which is so funny because I, I mean, I could th- like I think one of the ways you showed us, like, all right, that, that one makes sense. And then just the other ways I'm like, well, I don't even like I can't even wrap my head around that. So there's just yeah, well, apparently so many different ways to do one thing. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the thing is because I have that much experience, I, I find that really useful because I do sort of say to myself, this is obviously not clicking with this person. I'm going to try a different technique. And then I have to sort of explain to them, look, I know what I showed you. Right. <laughs> Forget that from brain dump that. Let's try this instead. Yeah. See how you go. Yeah, and then, you know? that's good. And then, you know, when they find the one method that's going to work for them, then they can just pick yeah. that one and go with it. That's perfect. And that, that's a great feeling of satisfaction as a teacher when you actually see them go, yeah, I get this now. And then they, they're off, you know? Yeah. You just sort of see it click. Perfect. Well, so uh, sort of changing gears a little bit, uh, you mentioned that you sell your your jams and preserves and things like that. But what, what do you like to do when you're not quilting and not sewing and not in your shop? <laughs> um, well, I'm a great reader. Um, but but I, I suppose really I'm either, I, I always say to people, I'm either cooking, gardening, sewing, or reading. They're, they're my four things. I don't really do anything else. That's it. <laughs> I mean, those, I, it's a good four things to have. Yeah, but they're, they're sort of four kind of like full on, you know. <laughs> Um, I mean, the garden, for example, we have two polytunnels. I bought up 15 pounds of tomatoes and about 60 peppers on Sunday from the garden, you know. Goodness. so that's incredible. You know? Wow. Well, that's you have more than enough to keep yourself busy. Um, so what are you 
uh, currently working on, quilting project or sewing project? At the moment, I'm, I'm quilting wise. At the moment, I'm, I've, I've, I have, a, I have an ongoing joke with my students because I, I have a memory like an ox, and I remember every project they start, and they come in, and they, and I say, "Well, where's the such and such a project?" And then they kind of look sheepish and say, "Oh, well, I just parked that for a little while," you know. Um, and that's kind of amusing until there's one or two of my students who've been coming to me for sort of plus ten plus years, and the problem mm-hmm. is they all know my guilty secret, which is my Jared takes a wife quilt, which is a Bonnie Hunter quilt. And I did a workshop with Bonnie a few years ago, I think about six years ago, and um, it's in a box in the st- in the storeroom at the shop. And, and I, I pull it out and I do like one block and then they, they all lecture me about the fact that, um, you know, I have UFOs too. So, But um, the thing is I want to enjoy doing it and so much of what I do is about getting orders fulfilled or finishing a quilt for a demonstration or, you know, so I, I do try to, I'm trying to sort of relish it rather than rush through it. So I'm not guilty that it's taking me a long time. Okay, but we'll, we'll let it pass then. We'll let it slide this time then. So if you had to say how how many unfinished projects do you have and do, how many do you think the average quilter has? Um, I don't, I, I'd love to say I don't have many, but I, I, can, can, do we count? I'm demonstrating because I think that's fair. No, I don't think those ones count because you have to have sort of, you know, in progress steps to show. Yeah, thank you. So I just mean like personal projects that, that you haven't. Yeah, um, well um is this all sewing or just quilting <laughs> let's just narrow it to quilting how's that <laughs> narrow it down to quilting probably only about two then oh that's not bad at all that's easily doable um well so now in your shop or in your home sewing room, i'm not sure if you do a lot of sewing at your house or you just go to your shop to sew but sort of what do you work on what is your you know your your favorite tools you use your favorite machines you use um how do you construct all your quilts I am uh, I am an absolute lover of hand sewing. That initial embroidery that I did with Grandma did stick with me. So I tend to have a an English paper pieced quilt on the go. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So so I I'm kind of like having my sharp scissors and you know good sharp needles. Um, but I suppose my favourite tools really are my machine. And I don't, we don't talk about numbers because that's rude. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I love Benina sewing machines. I'm. Yeah. I'm a complete Bernina girl, I'm afraid. Really? I don't know that I've ever used a Bernina machine. Actually. <laughs> what is it about what is it about them? Okay, speaking to someone who's never used a Bernina, I'm staring at a, a Viking in front of me right now. Um, what is it about the Bernina that you like? Is it certain features, just e- uh, ease of use, or, or what is it? I I have uh one, two, three. Well, I have personally three four bananas and a banana overlocker and and they range from a 1972 banana minimatic up to a maybe five-year-old electronic machine Mm -hmm. and they are solid consistent they they don't have temper tantrums like other sorts of machines do Mm -hmm. um I, i don't do you know, I just don't know. I, I know when I sit at another machine, they're, they're responsive. They're, and I know a lot of machines are nowadays, but with the um, you know the differences to foot pedals and things. But mm-hmm. I, I just there's something about a Benina that just feels very comfortable for me. And it doesn't really matter whether it's an old mechanic one or a modern electronic one. Mm-hmm. So no, I think that's that, yeah. that, that's kind of cool. And that's one reason why I think we we get questions um, a lot just you know, what, what machine should I buy or what machine do you recommend? And we always tell people to just go 
and try a few out. And that's an even better testament to it. Like when you sit down in front of the machine, you're just going to know it either works for you or it's not going to. So Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely try it out. In terms of, um, do you have say like, you know, with rotary cutters and scissors and cutting mats and things like that, brands that, that you either personally like to use or that is, you know, common at quilt shops in your area? Cause I know we have that here. I'm just wondering if you have that there. Um, I, I don't, I don't think I'm particularly addicted to any, any brands of, of, um, things. I, I'm funny with scissors because I have best scissors, second best scissors, third best scissors. <laughs> They're ranked. I like it. Yeah, they are. And it's so funny because they have colored ribbons on the handles and the children all know not to touch the purple ribbons if they want to live. You know? Um, and some of the children are allowed to use the red gingham handle ribbon because they're sort of second best and some of the children are pretty good. So, you know, they can use those. And then the third ones, I mean, they have their own scissors, but occasionally that, you know, their scissors are just not up for a job and it'll be a case of, can I borrow some scissors, Rebecca? And, you know, but they look, the little hand hovers over the box before they take one to wait for instructions as to which one they can have. You know? Which one they're allowed to touch. Perfect. I like it. This is, I'm not sort of fanatic. Um, rotary cutters, I have Ulfa cutters just because mm-hmm. they're the, brand that you see so much um i like 45 mil blade i did have a 60 mil blade originally but i found i don't know i got onto the 45 and then i just fell in love with that and it's comfortable yeah. man but mats and rulers i love the creative grid stuff um okay yeah we, we buy from them perfect i like it um i also am a fan of the the 45 millimeter i've used a 60 but only if i'm cutting say layers of fleece for something for another unrelated right. project something right. thick then I'll use that that blade. So um, joking around about the the having to know which scissors you're allowed to use because I know we joke around a lot about say your husband needs to know you know what scissors he can and can't grab. But your husband actually um, does sew and quilt with you, correct? He does. He very much does. Yeah. Um, when I met him, I was making a paper piece quilt twenty five years ago, and mm-hmm. um, I happened to get it out to try and work out some corners for it one day. Um, and he'd never seen a quilt before and he was kind of interested and he's a carpenter by trade so I, I was sort of playing with the pieces and he kind of started saying oh, what do you put that over there and what about if you put that around there and oh, how does that work then um so he, you know he understood quilting and then when I really started to get into sort of the more American style machine piecing he he was very oh this is interesting how does that work and and uh, but there were some words exchanged and he was sent off to make his own quilt basically and, uh, <laughs> well and and how has he progressed how is how was it you know teaching him <laughs> i i only taught him i very i taught him very little really i suppose what i mainly did for him was access him to loads of equipment and materials he actually went to town to a, a little quilt shop in limerick or well, a big quilt shop in limerick he went there to lessons it's mm-hmm. a bit like teaching your husband to drive you know <laughs> it's probably best if someone else just does it <laughs> Yeah, so, but um, he, he was much too keen for them, really. They wanted to do a block a week, and he was doing sort of two or three blocks a week. Gotcha. So um, okay. he didn't do it for me. But, it, yeah, he's, he, he loves quilting. Well, I say he loves quilting. He loves patchwork is what he loves. He doesn't like quilting at all. He, he, always, sends, he always jokes that he sends his quilts out for quilting, meaning to me, you know. Oh, so um, I well, I have to admit, I I send some of my quilts out to be quilted as well because I am more like him in that regard. Then I like the we call it piecing that, and you're so when you say patchwork, you mean piecing or vice versa. Yeah, okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah. Um, so do you have a long arm then, or do you do all your quilting on your your Bernina? 
I do all my quilting on a banana. I don't have anywhere to put a long arm, even if I could afford one. So um, <laughs> I would love one, though, to be fair. I would really love one. Um, I, I quilt on, I, to be honest, one of my favorite machines to quilt on is actually what, my 1972 banana, which is mad. Really? Yeah, she's she's an absolute, she hums and purrs, and she's totally happy to free motion quilt till the, all day long. Really? Huh. And you find, so like the, the, in my experience, which with older machines, which isn't very much, but they usually have a smaller sort of throat space or area that you can, you know, push the quilt into while you're trying to get to the center of your quilt. Uh, does it have that problem or is it, what, what is the biggest size that you can quilt? I don't know. I, I've, I've quilted king size quilts. I've probably quilted about 106 inches square, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that's a pretty big quilt, I suppose, is it? I don't know. Um, you have funny beds in America, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what, what funny beds mean, but maybe I'm going to have to research the size of beds. I think 100. I think 110. I, I think if I were to go and search for, say, standard quilt sizes, I think up to 120 would be like an oversized king or something like that. So that would probably be the biggest. Yeah, I've probably quilted about 106 inches, I think. Um, right. on, a, on a standard machine. And I don't really notice, to be honest. It's weird, isn't it? I just don't notice it. It doesn't really... Well, and if you've never done it on something different to have something else to compare to, then it probably wouldn't bother you or oh. be any anything other than just normal. Yeah. 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 I, I, and I, the thing was, I, I studied embroidery at college. So I was an embroiderer long before I was a proper quilter, really, even mm-hmm. though I did English paper piecing. I... Um, when I studied embroidery, one of the things that I studied was free motion embroidery. Um, mm-hmm. I did in guilds embroidery um, as, a, as a young woman. And um, so I I think that the, the free motion embroidery meant that when I finally heard about free motion quilting on a machine, I thought, oh, it's just the embroidery, but with batting, you know? Yeah, yeah with, with more layers to go through. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I just took to that really, really well. So I suppose that was the thing is the technique was, was not a challenge for me, like I know it is for a lot of people. Yes, it definitely. I mean, I definitely struggle with it too, because I am used to, you know, the, the machine has the feed dogs, it pulls it through, we go with straight lines. I like very straight lines. <laughs> so yeah, free motion quilting is hard for me to sort of let go and just uh, swirl or any other shape other than a straight line. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's the opposite for me. I, I just, I took to it and I have a sort of, um, I have a, a repertoire of different sort of patterns that I do, but I do like to sort of read about different ways different patterns that you can do so I'm, I'm not just a meandering sort of general person I do I do all sorts perfect perfect well as I say it doesn't doesn't surprise me that you are the exact opposite when it comes to you know quilting as me I think we've we've discovered we might be backwards and upside down in a couple of things <laughs> I like it um what is the best quilting or sewing tip that you have ever heard or learned I, I don't know about an individual one tip, but what I can say is I, I like a lot of people, thought that I was a pretty good quilter. I, I thought I was probably better than a pretty good quilter. I was already teaching people, so therefore, you know, I must be good, right? Um, but I went on my one-day course with Bonnie Hunter, who I have long been a, a huge fan of, and... Mm-hmm. Basically, everything she said was different to what I already did, and the the, the amount of stuff that I learned. Um, the workshop you had to um, you had to cut out your quilt before you turned up for the workshop, um, which obviously took hours. So we cut all the quilt 
out and when we got there you read the, you sort of saw what you were doing and you knew as a, as a seasoned quilter you could see what the block was that we were going to be doing so you you kind of thought to yourself you know maybe I could just knock up some four patches before I go you know <laughs> just to speak uh-huh. with right but I thought no do you know what? I'm going to this workshop to see how she does it let's just wait and and see right. you know um and when I when I arrived, there were a couple of other women who, like myself, had sort of been terribly clever and done loads of legwork, had, had, had actually decided to actually make the four patches or make the, the the triangles on the corners or whatever. But everything she said was had made me so glad that I hadn't done it before I went, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I'm sh- sure that there are other great quilters out there that you could probably take the same approach with. But certainly that, you know, paying for that one lesson and going and just listening to a real expert yeah that's a good thing to just to sort of take away from that too like if you're gonna take the time to go to a lecture and, uh, from an expert you might as well take in absolutely everything you can like there's no reason to go yeah. into it assuming you already know half of what they're gonna say like just go in hmm. assuming you know nothing and soak it all up yeah i was so glad i had seriously i mean i would not have believed that making a four patch could be something that i could you know right but yes, it was brilliant and I I you know I, I that's my probably my best I can't even remember how much the workshop was now it was a part of the Irish quilt festival that we had and um it was it was a brilliant festival in general but that was my sort of crowning moment really perfect and it's a great memory to have too and a great thing to to share so sort of to, to sort of wrap it all up I know we started at the very beginning talking about um teaching and teaching kids and teaching adults and just sort of where you've gone with quilting but what would be something that you would say to somebody who's just getting into quilting whether they're eight or they're 80 like what is sort of the motivation or inspiration that you're going to give them I think you should keep going I think you should not beat yourself up too much about imperfections Mm -hmm. agreed yeah because I, I know a lot of people. I know, and again, you know, I was saying about the individual people and how children and adults are the same. Some children and adults will have the same, oh, my God, it's not straight. I have to do it again. You know? yeah. And I, I do say to people, you know, I think you learn more from the experience of doing than you do from the experience of trying to get that one seam right. Right. If you get stuck on one thing, you're going to be stuck on that one thing. Yeah. forever and you may just lose interest and never even progress past it so. yeah and what happens a lot with with them um, with children and, and adults it's that moment when you shove it in the cupboard <laughs> and it becomes a ufo forever in there and you never get back to it yeah. <laughs> yeah so just get over it just get over that hump keep going if it's not right you learn from that find out how to make it right the next time that kind of thing comes along yeah absolutely Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your tips and all of your fun stories. And uh, thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. Of course. And I'm sure we'll have you back on here later to share more fun um, sewing and quilting stories. But until then, happy quilting and happy gardening. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) 